0: Good morning. My name is Dwayne. This is Directional Bible Ministries study for June the eleventh, two thousand twenty. Hope that you're doing well today. Uh, open your Bibles with me to Acts chapter number seven. And we're going to pick up in verse number fifty-six and hopefully close out the chapter today and get into chapter number eight. Heavenly Father, we do love you. Ask that you go for us now. Bless the reading of your Word. Open our eyes to see, your ears to hear, and our hearts to understand. In Jesus' name, Amen. Acts chapter number 7 verse number 56 again this is where Stephen's message is coming to an awesome crescendo. Stephen has been showing starting out with Abraham going through Joseph going through Moses how that uh, Jesus was the fulfillment of the long-awaited Sheachemage the Messiah the and that he was legitimately offering the kingdom to them but unlike Peter's previous two messages that Led to the people saying, well, what must we be do? What must we do? We be do. What must we do? Uh, Stephen never got to that. Uh, the people were beginning to turn on him harshly. So in verse number 56. And said, behold, I see the heavens open and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. And they crowd aloud with a loud voice and stopped their ears, ran upon him with one accord. In other words, they were all of one of mind, one mind. And they cast him out of the city, stoned him, and witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man whose name was Saul. So notice that Stephen said that he saw the Son of Man. And as a result, they cried out, they ran upon him with one accord. What's interesting is the fact that, like I said, Peter, I mean, Stephen, this is a message of accusation. Um. Sure, it was meant to bring the nation and understand the, it wasn't a the gospel, of the kingdom was not presented for an individual salvation. It was presented for a national salvation, if you will. Um, the whole nation had to accept the king and the kingdom uh, in order for it to come in and they did not. Now, there were significant numbers, maybe as many as 8,000 that we know that repented and was baptized were added to the number. But that is nowhere near the entire nation. Um, Stephen's message is, is a message of accusation. They had killed their Messiah. He is accusing them of this. Even in his next to last words, he is accusing them of killing their Messiah. And make no mistake about it. Um, when you when you share the gospel with someone, and the gospel is not repent and be baptized. So many churches today make that a prerequisite for salvation, repentance and baptism. That's the gospel of the kingdom, my friend. Okay, the gospel of of grace is simply believing in the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, full stop. That is the gospel of grace. When you stick repentance and baptism onto the gospel of grace, you end up with no gospel at all, which is what Paul told the Galatians. It is a mixture of the gospel of the kingdom and the gospel of grace, which makes makes no gospel at all. Uh, again, you cannot add the law to grace and it still be grace. It can't happen. Um, so they responded very hostile toward Stephen and his message. Uh, why was Jesus standing when everywhere in scripture he is sitting? I don't know. I mean, I've heard some fanciful reasons in the past. Uh, but as I mentioned earlier, the Jews knew the, the Old Testament. And bear in mind, we don't, they don't call it the Old Testament because they don't believe there is a New Testament. So is there, if there's no new, why would you call it Old? They did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. But they knew their scriptures. They knew what we call the Old Testament Genesis through Malachi. And they knew, because if you look at what Stephen said, and they cried out one accord and cast him out of the city. And uh, notice he says in verse 56, and said, Behold, I see the heavens opened. When when Stephen said that, their knowledge of Old Testament scriptures, just like when he said, You stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart they knew that he was announcing that judgment was getting ready to fall because when those terms were used in the old testament by god himself it meant judgment so too when the heavens are opened their minds went to ezekiel and in ezekiel chapter chapter 1 verse number 1 it came to pass in the 30th uh, in the 30th year in the 4th month of the 5th day of the month I was among the captives by the river Chebar, and the heavens were opened, and I saw visions of God. Every word out of Ezekiel's mouth from that point forward was condemnation. Because when you get over to Ezekiel chapter number 2, verse number 3, And he said unto me, Son of man, I send thee to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that hath rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even to this very day. They are impotent. They are stiff-hearted, and I do send them unto send you unto them, and you shall say unto them, "Thus saith the Lord." And of course, look down to verse seven, and thou shalt speak my words unto them, whether they hear, whether they forbear, for they are rebellious house. They knew what Stephen was accusing them of. They were stiff-necked. They were uncircumcised in heart, and the heavens were being opened, and judgment was getting ready to fall on them. And make no mistake, what they were getting ready to do was to blaspheme the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, Jesus mentioned this in Matthew chapter 12, verse 31, Wherefore I say unto you, all manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men, but the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost shall not be forgiven. Earlier passages, says he said, What you do against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But once you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, it will not be forgiven. So God was willing to forgive them for crucifying Christ. But he was not going to be able to forgive them if they blaspheme the Holy Spirit. And that is exactly what happened on the day of Pentecost. The outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the fulfillment of Joel chapter 2 verses 28 through 32 was being poured out upon the nation and they were blaspheming it. Uh, can we commit this sin today? Yes and no. We cannot specifically commit this sin. This sin was for the nation of Israel to commit, not the body of Christ. Um, as the body of Christ, we can't commit this sin because we're saved. Now, an unbeliever, uh, just like an unbelieving Jew who pushes off the Holy Spirit, dies without Christ, in a way, yeah, they blaspheme. they pushed off, the Holy Spirit, but this specific sin was for the nation of Israel. Now, notice here that we are introduced to Saul. Uh, notice that Saul, who would become Paul, was present consenting, uh, and we'll, as we'll see in, in chapter 8, verse number 1, and Saul was consenting unto his death. In other words, Saul was there, and he was giving his approval as a religious leader. He was giving his his approval to them, to stone Stephen. Excuse me. What's interesting is that the sword had definitely been taken away from Israel. They had no right to crucify Christ. That's why they had to bring him uh, before Pilate to get his permission to do so. But there was another, like a little twist there where the Romans just felt that, you know what? You know, your little religious laws you know, because you remember when they brought him to Pilate, he's like, what have I got to do with this? Do you, you know, do your own little religious thing, you know, in in essence, you know, I I don't want anything to do with this. So it it was kind of known among the Roman authorities that the Jews uh, were distributing, if you will, religious um, executions through stoning. Uh, And it was just overlooked if you study some of the books um, some of the history books about what was going on in Rome during that time, some good church history books. Um, they just kind of overlooked it. Uh, so they were, they, they, they tacitly approved, if you would, of the Jews just handling their own deals. Okay. Um, but Saul here is the point. He was one of the leaders and he was basically approving of what they were getting ready to do. And Paul talks about this over in Galatians chapter number 1. In Galatians 13, For ye have heard of my conversation in time past, in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. So Saul was there, and he was consenting to what they were doing. And we'll see this even further as we go. Uh, this leads us to believe, again, he was not just An innocent bystander. He was the primary leader. Why did he do this? Because he believed, just like the other religious leaders, that Jesus was an imposter. That he was a fake. That he was a phony. But also we need to understand that he did it in ignorance. Just as the rest of the nation did it in ignorance. And we've studied that. How that what you did, ye did in ignorance. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And even Stephen here, in verse number 59, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord, receive my spirit. And he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay this, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. These verses are important, and too often we just kind of read over them. Because again, we, we approach the scripture with this filter. In other words, we find what we're looking for. Um, it's kind of like people today, when they listen to the news, they're not listening for information. They are listening for confirmation. And we, as Christians, do the same thing. Uh, we listen for confirmation. The covenant theologian will listen to something. Oh, oh that's covenant. you know. Uh, he's listening for that. Um, and dispensational. I mean, we all do it. We're listening for confirmation, not information. Okay. Um, Stephen, even though he saw Jesus standing in preparation for judgment, okay, he was asking him not to, and that's, that's the thing you need to understand. Jesus, Stephen, just like Jesus and just like Peter is saying that the nation is doing this in ignorance. So when he says, Lord, lay not this sin into their charge, he's asking in essence for grace He's asking for grace because they don't understand what they're doing. And we'll see in the very next chapter that God is not going to send someone else to the Gentiles. Well, we'll see in the very next chapter that God is now going to send someone else to the Gentiles, that needs to be a now, um, since the Jewish nation had refused. Um, And in essence, by raising up Paul, who of course now is Saul, it was an act of grace it was an act and we've talked about this and we have built this case the nation of israel deserved judgment but it was an ignorance just like the cities of refuge if you did not premeditatively kill someone you could flee to the city of refuge where you would be shown grace and if you did premeditatively do it then you were shown shown law you were shown, shown judgment The nation of Israel was going to be shown grace because they did it in ignorance. But understand, and I'll close with this, God's original desire, his plan A, was to use the nation of Israel to reach the Gentiles. The plan, period, was for God to send his son, his son to be crucified, the message to be offered, Pentecost, the fulfillment of Joel 2, repentance on the part of the nation of Israel, Daniel's 70th week, his second coming, and he would use the Jews to reach the Gentiles. That didn't happen. And we'll go over some of these verses next time we're together and talk a little bit about that as a final thought before we go into chapter eight. God bless you guys. Have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. He's working all things out for your good.